You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Wednesday night, 7.30 on the dot. I know, Bills Mafia, you're so proud of us for starting on time. I am Matt Perino. He is Ryan Talbot. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. And we have a jam-packed show for you guys tonight. Um, a, a few people have been uh, requesting Tyler Dunn, uh, who just started a, a new venture that we're going to talk to him about uh, later in the show for weeks. He is going to be on the show at eight o'clock tonight, but right now we are joined uh, by our brethren, Dan Labay from uh, cleveland.com and another advanced media outlet. And uh, we got, we were just talking about it before we, we went live here. We got two football teams that are winning, winning games. It's, it's kind of bizarre, right, Dan? It, it's really strange. You're talking about, you know, a, t- a team in Buffalo that broke the longest playoff drought not that long ago, and the Browns are, are trying to be the next team to break that longest playoff drought here. So it, it's been a, a strange, sort of a strange thing so far to have this team sitting at eight and three. Well, there's a lot I wanted to get into uh, with you tonight because two things kind of were going through my my mind. Number one, you have a, a former Bills player in Wyatt Teller who's performing very well. And I want to get into that with you and talk to you about what's gone right for him since that trade uh, last year, but also starting to look at some potential playoff teams, you know, with the division, you know, I know Bill's fans probably yelling, knock on wood, nothing's done yet, but with the division kind of like this afterthought, it's time to start really looking at some of these uh, potential playoff matchups. And I think the Browns matchup is really interesting. Just dive into this team a little bit. There's a lot of similarities, uh, in the sense that both teams took that quarterback in 2018 and and just, you know, what's gone right for Cleveland this year. And I think that that's where I want to start with you. How are how are the Browns winning games? They're running the football. I mean, that's really where it starts. And it kind of starts with that offensive line and, and the guy we're going to talk about in a little while here and Wyatt Teller and, and how they've rebuilt that offensive line. But it just starts with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as this just dynamic running duo. And, you know, you can pound Nick Chubb for a little while, and, and then he can come out, Kareem Hunt comes in, and he's fresh, and then Nick Chubb comes back in, and it's Kevin Stefanski's just commitment to running the football, controlling the clock. Uh, I mean, that's really where everything starts for this football team. And then, of course, you know, Miles Garrett as well. He, he's really – this defense is shaky at best, but Miles Garrett, when he's out there, he's been on the COVID list, he's missed a couple games, but when he's been out there – you know, we're talking a defensive player of the year candidate now that he's signed that big extension and he's having the best year of his career. So I think those are really the two biggest things that I point to along with just, you know, they, they finally have a head coach. They finally have a guy that understands how to, to coach this football team, call plays, all of that stuff. It's all just kind of working right now. So if there was a, a blueprint to beating the Cleveland Browns, is it as simple as stop the run and, and make Baker Mayfield throw or, or is it more detailed than that? 
So I, I think it's easy to say stop the run because, you know, that is that would be the way to do it. But this is a really hard run game to stop. I think a lot of teams have done it, and these guys are facing eight-man boxes at a ridiculous amount since uh, Odell Beckham went out with that injury against Cincinnati about a month ago. So, you know, these guys are able to run the football pretty much at will. But I think the key is with Baker Mayfield, just keeping him in the pocket. If you go back and watch how this team has played against Pittsburgh, you know, when Baltimore has had success against them, it's about making sure that Baker Mayfield has to operate and and win and throw from the pocket. If you can make it more about him and, you know, at least limit the run or put this team in a hole early and make Baker Mayfield throw and beat you from the pocket, that's really how you start to maybe start getting turnovers and, you know, have things going your way defensively now because now the, the Browns can't lean on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as much. Well, it's funny you mention um, you know, Miles Garrett at the at the top there because I feel like that's going to be in a potential matchup with the Bills. That's going to be a key matchup because where the Bills offense has struggled this year, I think is when when opposing defenses have been able to dial up some pressures, give him certain give Josh Allen certain looks that that frustrate them. You know, in terms of Miles Garrett and and this secondary uh, where, you know, obviously the strength of the team is on the defensive line, but where, where is that secondary at with, you know, a couple, you know, first round picks over the last couple of years or high round yeah, picks? Right now, the secondary is kind of, they're kind of grinding a little bit. Uh, Denzel Ward is out with a calf injury when he's out there. You know, I, I believe he's one of the best corners in football and has that potential to really elevate himself to that level. Uh, but they're without him now with a calf injury for a few more weeks, you know, potential playoff matchup. I'd imagine he would be back. You know, they drafted Grant Delpit in the second round, but they lost him before the season even started. And he was going to unlock a lot of things in this defense. He was going to play in the box. He was going to play in the in the slot, you know, against slot receivers. He was going to play deep safety. So they went out and acquired Ronnie Harrison for a fifth-round pick. And he was a really good acquisition to replace Delpit, but now he's hurt. He's actually on injured reserve uh, with a shoulder injury, and it's unclear if he would be back in time for an early playoff game. So this defense has been hurting. Greedy Williams hasn't played all year. He's got a nerve injury. Uh, I, I wouldn't expect to see him at all. So uh, they're kind of patching together that secondary right now. And it hasn't it certainly hasn't always been pretty. So go ahead, Matt. No, go ahead. Okay. So uh, you, you do have some former Bills, though, on this team. And, and Matt's already alluded to it in, in Wyatt Teller. Uh, there's a, been a lot of discussion in Buffalo about Teller because Buffalo's offensive line, they're still trying to figure things out there. And, you know, at least with the pro football focus grades, Wyatt Teller looks like he's playing out of his mind. Is he playing as great as the analytics are saying he is? I think he is, especially in the run game. Now, he's had probably some issues here and there in the pass game. Uh, you know, I think his passing grade is a little bit lower than uh, than what you would see it's a little bit lower than what you would want it to be. I mean, it's fine, but he's really where he's helped is in the run game, his ability to pull, to get out in space. Uh, a lot of those big Nick Chubb runs, it's 77 right out in front of him. And it, really with Teller, this is a guy that I, I mean, I remember when the Browns acquired him before a preseason game uh, last year. Now, this is a guy that I know sort of lost a numbers game in Buffalo, and John Dorsey really liked him. And he gave up, I forget exactly what the compensation was, but it wasn't a ton. And he ended up get, runner, getting him. Yeah. yeah, Teller had to wait for a little while. Uh, I know there was some frustration there that um, Freddie Kitchens and his staff weren't putting him on the field early enough. And then he comes into this year, and honestly, it was still kind of a battle for that right guard job. And I'm curious to see maybe how things would have played out had they been able to get on the field in the spring. Uh, but he sort of won by default. And now he's just taken off. And I know Bill Callahan has been just absolutely huge in fine-tuning a lot of that technique that had to get fine-tuned. He's always been a mauler, but they had to really make that technique better. And that's where Bill Callahan has come in, and I think that's been a big step forward for him. And like I said, his pass blocking has been fine, but his run blocking, that that's where it's really been elite. And just off the top of my head, I'm, I'm forgetting how many games did he start last year? Let's, uh, let's see. I believe he started somewhere in the neighborhood of eight or nine. I, I okay. seem to recall him. I think he came in against New England, which I believe was the eighth game of the season last year. So, so we're around eight or nine. So we're talking about eight or nine games as a as a rookie, where I think that he flashed, you know, some some decent skills. I think enough to you know have fans excited about his future potential, and I think that 
that was kind of where some of the eyebrow raising happened when when the deal was made was that they they made a lot of moves in the 29 the bills did made a lot of moves in the 2019 offseason brought in a lot of new free agent offensive linemen drafted cody ford who i think even though you know brandon bean and sean mcdermott talked about you know his future at tackle i think a lot of people thought his fit was at guard so you add all those bodies together and you can get a fifth round pick that ends up becoming stuff part of the deal that gets you Stefan Diggs. And I think that both teams really won out, but what's, you know, where Bills fans I think are the most frustrated now is sitting here watching uh, a veteran older Brian Winters, maybe struggle a little bit at right guard. But even with that said, I, I think the Bills coaching staff, maybe they're just, uh, you know, saying the right things, but they seem to be happy with what they're getting out of him. I don't think anybody really expected my point that Wyatt Teller would turn into this. I mean, is that the kind of sense, not only within the media, but, you know, within the team, that this is kind of like a nice surprise? It's an enormous surprise. You know, I mean, the Browns drafted a center, Nick Harris, in the fifth round. And I thought that maybe he was going to have a chance to compete for and maybe win that right guard job. I don't think anybody expected Wyatt Teller to be this good. We all kind of looked at that coming into this season as, you know, we feel good about left tackle, left guard, center, and right tackle. Right guard, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this battle plays out. Some guys opted out. Uh, like I said, they drafted a, a fifth-round center who I think would probably in a, a normal year would have competed in that spot. I just think, you know, Bills fans could be frustrated about it, but I really believe this is sort of the perfect marriage of timing, scheme, and coaching. And, and I don't know. You know, Maybe it would have happened in Buffalo for Teller. I, you know, I, I don't know. But he really fits well into what the Browns want to do. And like I said, I think when all is said and done, Bill Callahan is going to be the guy that he looks back on and says, you know, that guy helped make my career. And another play that you guys have in Cleveland that was with Buffalo for a short stint is Vincent Taylor. And Buffalo's had some issues along the defensive line, stopping the run. They seem to be starting to figure things out. But how has Vincent Taylor fared so far in Cleveland? You know, we haven't really seen a lot of him. Uh, the, the Browns are pretty good along the defensive line, especially on the interior. They've got a veteran, actually a couple veterans, and Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, they, they drafted a guy, Jordan Elliott, in the third round. So we haven't seen a, a ton of Taylor, and you know, I believe he's been dealing with an injury as well. So uh, if, if Bills fans are missing him, I, I can certainly tell them that we haven't seen a ton of him in Cleveland yet this year. Um, let's move on to the quarterbacks a little bit, because I think that that's, you know, if these two teams do meet in, in the playoffs, I mean, with two defenses that I think, you know, depending on the, the day could, could have some success against the opposing team's offense. So I think it could come down to quarterback play. And so you, you take Baker Mayfield now in this, in his third year. And, you know, obviously it's been, you know, covered on the national stage and, you know, I'm sure in Cleveland, you know, the regression that we've seen out of Baker Mayfield, I almost feel like his career arc is the complete polar opposite of what Josh Allen has gone through in terms of the way that he's kind of ascended into where he is in year three. Uh, I, th I feel like from what I'm gathering, Baker Mayfield has, has found a way to sustain uh, some level of, you know, competent play at times. He's making some good throws. I, I listened to your podcast after the last game, which was a, a, a little bit closer against the Jaguars and I'm sure Browns fans wanted, wanted it to be, but you know, where is Baker Mayfield and, and what is the plan for him, especially once these games get really hard against, you know, the, the top tier team in the AFC. It, you know, it's, it's kind of funny with, with Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, how these coaching staffs are, are handling them. It, it almost feels like, you know, the bills coaches understand with Josh Allen, you, you've almost just got to let him be who he is, right? You've got to let him be a little bit of a gunslinger and you have to try to control it a little bit, but th this is who Josh Allen is. With Baker Mayfield, this coaching staff has tried to take a lot of that gunslinger out of him. It, it really hurt him in 2019. You know, 2018, it was there and he was having success, but it also came against a lot of really bad defenses in that second half of 2018 when the Browns went five and three. So, you know, last year, so much around him was just messy and the coaching staff was a mess and it just was bad structure. They, they made him throw the ball way too much. He's never been a guy that's going to win games throwing the ball 40 times a game. Uh, where he's been at his best is when he's right in that 20 to 30 range. And when and this coaching staff has sort of minimized him. They've made He's stopped turning the football over. He didn't throw an interception in November. He's only thrown seven all season, uh, which might seem high, but that's sort of skewed by two against Indianapolis and then two against Pittsburgh before he stopped throwing interceptions all of a sudden. They're rolling him out of the pocket a lot more. They're using play action a lot more, and, and they've just taken a lot off their shoulders. He's, 
I, I know this is sort of a, a bad word amongst football fans, but he's very much a game manager right now. And he's just sort of a caretaker of this offense. Is that going to be how they see him long-term? If it is, that's going to raise some questions about his long-term viability here. But for right now, with the structure they have around him and their ability to run the football, uh, it, it's working. So they, they've sort of minimized what they need out of him. One thing I can say about the 2018 quarterback class is every team has taken a different approach about building around those quarterbacks. How have the Browns built around Baker Mayfield? Well, John Dorsey took the approach of let's just throw a bunch of skill players around this guy. You know, he went out and got Jarvis Landry in 2018. Now, that was before they drafted Baker, but I think he knew that's the direction he was going to go in that draft. Uh, of course, there was the trade for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, that, that made all the headlines, and he put a lot of skill players around them. This current regime that came in, obviously, you already have those skill players in place, so this makes it easier. But they looked at things and said, let's rebuild this offensive line. So you had Joel Batonio at left guard, who's really good. J.C. Treader at center, who's really good. You know, they, they develop Wyatt Teller. They go out and pay a bunch of money for Jack Conklin. They draft Jedrick Wills, number 10 overall. And, and that's really what they've done this season to make sure that Baker Mayfield was really protected uh, in this zone blocking scheme that, that Kevin Stefanski wants to play, wants to play in. And they, they went and got a guy in Kevin Stefanski who – if you look what he did with Kirk Cousins, sort of similar things, right? You know, you know, Cousins turned the ball over a lot more, but play action, you know, cut the field in half, stuff like that. And, and that's really what they did. They addressed it with coaching, and then they went out and they, they beefed up the offensive line. Let's transition to some bigger picture AFC talk because I think that we did a little bit of that on the show last week and, you know, having another AFC reporter in, in the house tonight, it's, it's, it only makes a little bit of sense because you look at kind of the tiers of the AFC right now and where everybody fits in. And it's interesting to try to place those teams because you have the the undefeated now 11 and 0 Pittsburgh Steelers, but I think most people would agree that the Kansas City Chiefs are the team that everybody fears in this division or in this conference and also in the NFL, you know, as a whole. Uh, I think Kansas City's probably in a uh, you know a pocket all their own, uh, but then it gets interesting because how do you view the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, especially from a Cleveland perspective, you know, where you guys are more familiar with them than than most people. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you that I think Kansas City is still, you know, if we were power ranking this conference, I, I think Kansas City would have to be at the top. I, I think they're still the best team in this conference. Their only loss was to the Raiders, and, and they avenged that loss anyway. You know, the Steelers, it's always hard to talk about from a Browns perspective because they've just dominated this football team. And, and the one time the Browns have beaten them recently was the Miles Garrett incident. So that one didn't mm -hmm. even feel like a win. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they've just dominated this team. They did it you know, a few weeks ago. Um, so I, I, th I think the AFC North specifically has benefited a little bit from the fact that they've got the NFC East this year. That certainly has helped the Browns. It certainly helped the Steelers. Uh, I think they are benefiting from playing the AFC South too. You know, they have Jacksonville, Houston, you know, obviously Tennessee and Indianapolis are tough teams, but uh, you know, the, the schedule has been nice to AFC North teams. So I also think that 11 and 0 is a little bit inflated. I suppose I could make the case that Cleveland's 8 and 3 is a little bit inflated right now too, but I kind of just see those two teams at the top, Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Kansas City is the scariest of the bunch. And then after that, it, it's all about matchups. It's it's kind of who you draw in in that wild card weekend and then that divisional round. I think any team honestly on the right week could beat any other team after you get past the top of this conference. Ryan, before we get to, you, you have a, a great one for, for Dan here. I want to ask you, where do you, I mean, if you look at how the playoffs would kind of uh, get figured out here at this stage, I mean, we're, we're you know, a Bills Cleveland matchup is, is very possible. And so I'm wondering who do you think from a Bills perspective is the, the toughest, you know, possible first round matchup for the Bills? It, it might just be Cleveland, believe it or not, just because of the fact that they can run the ball so effectively. And that has been a little bit of Buffalo's uh, Achilles heel. Uh, and I know some people would say, well, and right now they're they're leading their conference or their division, but Tennessee because of the previous matchup. But I, I would like to see Buffalo get another shot at Tennessee. I, I feel like um, that that extended time kind of threw everything off in that game. I think Buffalo matches up a lot better with Tennessee than the, the outcome showed on that specific night. But 
yeah, when, when you look at those wild card teams, those teams that are in the hunt for those final spots, there, there's a lot of reasons to sit there and say, boy, Cleveland could, could give Buffalo some fits. Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting matchup in, in a lot of ways because, you know, Buffalo is the better team, but I do think the Browns present some problems. Like you said, their ability to control the football and and, and run the ball. Both teams have disappointing defenses. Buffalo's probably more than the Browns because I don't think there were high expectations on the Browns' defense. But the one the one thing that sticks out to me is Miles Garrett. You know, I just I, I close my eyes and I envision Miles Garrett coming around the edge and, and chasing Josh Allen around and maybe making that one or, or even another two game changing plays. Um, you know, so I think that's why it's such an intriguing matchup because I think the Browns can do some things that can cause Buffalo problems, make the game interesting. And, you know, I don't know if the Bills are the type of defense that can hem Baker in and keep him in the pocket for 60 minutes and, and keep him from making maybe that one or two throws he needs to make in a game. And that's interesting you bring that up because I feel like the Bills are just kind of finding that part of their game in recent weeks. And that's something where, you know, in years past, I mean, you go back to the Lamar Jackson game last year, you know, Tennessee and, and, and Logan Ryan actually came out and said, we took the blueprint from what the Bills did against Lamar to kind of devise what we were going to do against them. And we haven't seen that to your point for most of the season, but it's slowly been kind of happening. They've they've been without Matt Milano for a stretch of time. Tredavious White missed the, the Titans game. And so they've had a lot of different pieces in and out of the lineup. And then you add in the fact that it's it's been an overhaul in the defensive line. Jordan Phillips is gone. Shaq Lawson is gone. Star Latule opts out before the year. They have a lot of new pieces that they're trying to figure out on that defensive line, new defensive line coach. Well, all of a sudden, the last couple of days, according to Pro Football Focus, and this was a, a, a great transition because I wanted to bring this up on the show tonight, 36 pressures you know, against uh, the Chargers last week. And in a game where Joey Bosa was absolutely dominant, a man possessed, three sacks, six tackles for a loss, the story that kind of fell under, under the radar in that game was the, the work that that Bills defensive line did to frustrate Justin Herbert. There was a lot of misfires in that game, a lot of um, uh, uncharacteristic throws for a guy in Justin Herbert, as I think we've all watched around the league and been impressed with this rookie quarterback. It kind of shades of Baker Mayfield's you know rookie season. So to your point, though, I, I think there are so many interesting matchups. I, I think the real area where the Bills could be having some trouble is trying to slow down this run game because in the games that they've looked really bad this year, it's been the opposing team's running game. Kansas City comes to mind where they've 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 had a lot of success. Yeah, and, and that's that's how the Browns would attack it. They and and the thing that the Browns do, and they did this a few weeks ago against the Eagles, is they were averaging like two yards a carry in the first half, and they just kept running and kept running. And and the crazy thing about Nick Chubb is, you know, people don't see it as much because he's you know the Browns haven't been on national TV a lot this year, so they've seen the Derrick Henry big runs and things like that. But Nick Chubb is just a, a classic big play back. You know, he'll he'll have some carries where he gets a yard, two yards, and then the next thing you know, he's breaking off a 50-yarder or a 60-yarder. I mean, he's got that kind of ability, and you look at him, you don't expect him to be as fast as he is. He gets into that second level, and he's almost unstoppable. So that's what the Browns would try and do in this football game. You know, I, look, the Bills would be favored. The, I, I would probably pick the Bills to beat the Browns. I just think there's some Brown, some things the Browns can do uh, that, that could make the game interesting and, and certainly give them an opportunity to win it. Indeed. Mr. Dan LaBay, Cleveland.com, my friend, thank you so much for taking some time out. I have a feeling that maybe we <laughs> might be able to get together again in, in a month, a little more than a month and, and talk some more uh, AFC uh, potentially playoff football. Yeah, for sure. If that happens, we'll have to uh, have you guys jump on our pod too over at Cleveland.com. Sounds great. Let everybody know where they can find you and find your work uh, as we uh, move through the season. Yeah, head to cleveland.com slash Browns. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Dan underscore L-A-B-B-E. Perfect. All right, man. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Yep. All right. So that was awesome. Uh, I, I wanted to have him on. I I, I followed Dan for uh, almost three years now, and uh, he does a great job on the Browns beat. Um, let's get into oh, – first, let's – a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll we'll set up the rest of the show here. Ready for football? Tops is. With ready-to-serve fan favorites, everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. 
All right, Ryan. So um, it's been it's been months in the making. We've had uh, we were we 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 just missed on uh, just timing wise. It just didn't link up. We were trying to have Tyler Dunn on. Uh, I think right before the season or right after the season started. And uh, we even I, I know some fans saw it because they've been requesting Tyler Dunn ever since in the comments sections. And for good reason. I mean, one of the best writers in the country, the you know, one of the premier football writers in the country. I mean, there, there's no other way to say it. He has a new venture. We're going to get into all of that with him. We're going to talk some bills, some NFL, some Josh Allen, some Patrick Mahomes. All of that. We're going to get into it uh, at the top of the hour, 8 p.m., so stick around. But in the meantime, Ryan, uh, we had some news today. Matt Milano returning to practice. Uh, we weren't able to be out there because under the new stricter protocols, uh, no media are able to go in the facility when the practice moves inside. So the Bills went inside today. And I and I, you know, I, I think that they're planning to practice outside tomorrow, but I'm sitting here wondering if it makes sense. I mean, they're going out to play Arizona. It probably makes sense to practice indoors. Uh, it's been snowing out here in uh, Western New York. So we'll see how that transpires. But Matt Milano did practice today. Tremaine Edmonds seemed very um, uh, excited. He, he seemed very um, hopeful that maybe Matt Milano could see some snaps in, in the San Francisco game. And what do you think it would mean to get Matt Milano and where does he back and where does he fit in now that AJ Klein's playing at the level that he's playing at? Well, I mean, he still fits in as a crucial piece to this defense because of what we've seen over the last uh, few years of him in this defense. You know, obviously AJ Klein is playing out of his mind right now. Uh, they have figured out how to utilize him, how to, to best use his skill set. But when it comes down to coverage, there's no comparison. Matt Milano can come in and, and cover those tight ends, cover uh, those running backs with, with a lot uh, higher rate of efficiency than an A.J. Klein. So really what you'd be getting at this point in time is a healthy linebacker room in general. And, and you can ease Milano back in, put uh, A.J. Klein in the lineup on those, uh, may, maybe those early rundowns where you think you can utilize him a little bit better. Made a huge play against the run. Um Klein, that is, in this previous game where he went around the outside of the edge, stopped the back, and kind of threw him out of bounds for, to set up a fourth down play. So bringing Milano back is huge for this defense, just like getting Levi Wallace and Josh Norman back in the cornerback room was big. All of a sudden, this defense, as you mentioned, is trending in the right direction, and getting Milano back would really put that over the top. Yeah, I, Chris asked this question here. I brought it in. What happens if Milano, Milano struggles a little bit coming back? And, you know, I think that from what I gathered today, there's going to be no rush to bring him back. You know, he's been out a couple of weeks. They did the experiment, bringing him back, testing out the, the pack. It didn't hold up. They ended up putting him on IR. So at this point, they've weathered the storm. They found answers in, in AJ Klein. And also going back to the beginning of the season, another guy that, filled in uh early on was Tyrell Dotson who I thought was I, re I remember back to that first game I think it was in, uh, against Miami he played pretty well in, in spots and so he is also returning to practice this week uh designated for, to return to practice they now have a three-week window with both of those players uh, uh coming up on injured reserve uh where they could come off and so you have depth there now. And oh, by the way, somebody, another guy to throw in the mix here is Darren Lee, who I think has, has played some special teams over the last couple of games. And now you give him kind of some runway to, you know, get up to speed on the system, get really, you know, understand what his role would be if he was thrown out there on the defense, on the defense, depending on what role they wanted to ask him. I mean, the thing that he brings to the table, Ryan, is, is athleticism. And I, I think that what we're seeing scheme wise, and identity-wise now, the Bills have talked about it. Leslie Frazier has talked about it. The players have talked about it. They want to be in attack-style defense. And the more athleticism you could throw at it, the better. Yeah, and that's another thing Milano does really well is those situational blitzes where, or those delayed blitzes, actually, where he waits back him in and you don't know if he's going in coverage, if he's a spy, what he does. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's coming right at the quarterback. And that's when you can force those mistakes. That's when... You can create those turnovers, and that's what this defense has been built upon these last few games in terms of their success is creating turnovers. So Milano's return is going to be huge for this defense. Now, is it going to be immediate? We, who knows? Maybe in this, if he's activated for the San Francisco game, maybe he plays 10 snaps or less. I can't you know, foresee exactly how they're going to bring him back, but they don't have to rush him back. That's the beauty of this. A.J. Klein, they figured things out with him. 
Uh, Edmonds is playing a high-level football because he's obviously healthy from that shoulder injury. You mentioned Dodson coming back. You mentioned Lee. All of a sudden, there's no such thing as too much depth, but there's plenty of options in this linebacker room. Sharing this out on Twitter because we're going to get Tyler Dunning here in a moment. Did you watch that game this afternoon? I did. That, well, I did. For most of it, I, w- I don't know if that's what I would call it a game, but uh, it was it was a mess early on in that game. It was uh, you know Robert Griffin the third. Unfortunately, I tweeted out before. I'm excited to see him play because you know that's one thing. I mean, that I, you think back to the player that he was coming out, and it obviously hasn't gone you know the way that a lot of people thought or hoped and. Um, Lamar Jackson, obviously out with COVID, he got the start. Um, you know, it just, it, it wasn't there as, as a passer. And I think that that, I think that almost any, any quarterback in that system, I mean, it's going to be tough. I think Lamar's got really special skills. They don't have a lot of talent at the, at the you know, skill position pl- players. I mean, I, you look at their wide receivers and Marquise Brown had the big touchdown from McSorley, Trace McSorley stand up a, a heck of a play there, but, um, you know, just looking at that game and, and, and watching it, it's like I even think that you, you got a Pittsburgh Steelers team that's that's pretty beatable all of a sudden. Yeah, they're vulnerable. They, they've played some close games. They've won some close games, uh, but they've led a lot of teams in these games. It is you know, a team like the Dallas Cowboys was competing down to the very last minute with Pittsburgh, uh, a Baltimore Ravens team that has been ravaged by COVID-19 in terms of players who could not start today or play today. Uh, we're in this game to the very end. Our friend Mike K over at NJ.com before the game started said this game is going to be a lot more exciting than an episode of The Price is Right. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, man, I don't know. I've seen some high stakes Plinko games that I think were more entertaining than this one. Uh, it was kind of a dud, a little boring. That Also the Yodeler guy. I love the Yodeler. Um, but yeah, I mean, the game was kind of a dud, but that's what you kind of get when you have RG3. And you have Trace McSorley as your quarterbacks, and you're trying to figure things out with uh, rosters that are missing a lot of key pieces. My man, Tyler Dunn is in the house, bringing you in. Uh, I always I, we've been doing this now for a couple months, and I always get a kick out of it when we're when we're going and we bring somebody in and they swoop in. It's, it's cool. How, how are <laughs> you, my Chris friend? Chris Collinsworth, like slide. I, I got yes. a difference here, right? Something. <laughs> exactly. How how you doing, man? Great, great. I'm glad we finally made it happen, man. I was hemming and hawing. You know, the go long wasn't a thing yet when we were talking. So figured uh, patience was our, our best bet. So and here we are. It's good to be here. And it was perfect. I'm glad we kind of waited because, you know, we've had so much to sink our teeth into. And by we, I mean the football community the last couple of weeks here uh, as you've launched golongtd.com, which Head over there right now and check it out. Tyler's made it free for the first, uh, you know, little while here. Let everybody kind of get used to it. And man, it's like it's a cool. One thing I want to bring up off the top is it's it's kind of a cool thing where, you know, they're long form pieces and and they're they're very interesting. But you know, maybe you you read a full article one day and then you want to go back and skim other pieces of it. I mean, it's there for you all the time. It's, I mean, I, I'm a junkie of this stuff, but it, <laughs> it, it it's really awesome. Tell people a little bit about it. I appreciate it. And thanks a lot for having me, guys. Good to see you too, Ryan. Was just uh, down in Salamanca today, our neck of the woods. So, That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've just, I, I could not be more pumped for Go Long. I just think it was the perfect time to take a chance, to bet on long form, to bet on myself. I, I just think I, I look at the game and really reporting and writing through that lens and, and kind of always have, you know, back to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Buffalo News, Bleach Report. I've just always gravitated toward the profiles, the features the long form. And, and I'm, I'm confident there's a lot of people out there who still, you know, want to learn the story behind the story, a peek behind the curtain, an engaging profile with somebody, whether it's, you know, Sammy Watkins talking about astral realms and other dimensions or, you know, look at, look at the team with, you know, the, 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 the Packers and that breakup or, you know, Terry Pagula wanting Patrick Mahomes. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. Um, I, it just felt like the right time, you know, covering the league for a decade the relationships that I've kind of developed uh, to to go for it. And you're right. Folks can read stories that go long uh, for free now. Everything's unlocked for the first few weeks. Just want to give people a sense for what to expect. But please put in your email so you'll get the stories right in your inbox. And uh, absolutely subscribe for seven a month, 70 a year if you'd like. I, I think uh, I'm very confident that you'll like what you see. So that's my sales pitch. How would I do it? it? 
I All love right. it. I mean, and you fit it in. I mean, that was a good, solid elevator pitch at the end there. It was perfect. Awesome. I got to tell you a story. I'm going to let uh, Ryan come in here and ask you, uh, you know, our first question here. I want to know a little bit more about your journey. But um, it's I, I, I was kind of like combing my memory, and I couldn't remember for the longest time. I, I've meant to tell you this for, for, for months and now years since I've been back. I was at UB and I was kind of coming up in, in, in journalism. I really wanted to be a sports writer and, you know, looking around the scene, you know, at the time, Mark on was the beat writer. Um, I, I, Rodney McKissick was on the, uh, yeah. the uh, college beat. And so those are two guys that I, you know, I threw, I threw ideas off of all the time. Like how, how do you get to, how do you get there? How do you get, what's the light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, and, you know, I think it was a conversation with Mark on who I still go back to this conversation. It was an hour long. I was sitting in the, um, uh, parking lot at an MNT bank, uh, in between okay. dinner with my wife and my, and my mother-in-law. And he took an hour of his time out to talk to a young journalist. And he, and he used a specific example of you and mm -hmm. not of, of how to approach what you want to do. He's like, listen, there's not a lot of gigs in Buffalo. I mean, to cover the bills, if that's where you want to end up, look at, look at Tyler Dunn. I mean, he's as talented as anybody out there, he went to, to Green Bay's covering the Packers. And that was something that always stuck with me and uh, something that I always thought about, like, all right, I am going to have to go somewhere else, figure out. But it, it helped kind of, you know, show me a path to to what I eventually wanted to do. So you never knew that you had an impact, but I always watch <laughs> you from a distance. And I was like, man, that, that, that's inspirational. That's awesome to hear, man. I mean, Mark is just unbelievable with his time. I had the same conversations with him about life journalism that's no surprise i mean he's he's one of a kind so uh, yeah I mean, that that's exactly it you know i was had interned at, at the buffalo news a couple summers in college and actually an interned out in wisconsin too uh, living out of a hotel in shawano wisconsin you know covering packers training camp the same summer that brett Favre tried to come back and reclaim his job so uh, that was unbelievable you know baptism by by fire and and actually you know I, this is really deviating but like the town that i was in shawno a cult like basically was overtaking the town and like buying up businesses and letting them go bankrupt it was on 60 minutes and like they tried to hire some guy to like kill people in government and in at the newspaper Whoa. i was interning at so that was wild um shawno i'll never forget that but yeah i mean that experience like just one thing kind of led to another and, you know, being at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, those four and a half years, whatever it was, with Bob McGinn, Tom Silverstein, Lori Nickel, the best of the best. I mean, you learn something every day from, from these folks. It was great. Uh, and I loved it. You know, I mean, sitting there with Brett Favre down in Mississippi. I mean, who doesn't love that? Uh, but Buffalo is home. I mean, Buffalo was always home. I should say the Southern Tier, Ellicottville, Salamanca, you know, was home. But about an hour south. I just mm -hmm. figured that would be, you know, pulling me back at some point. It did. And I've been fortunate enough to uh, meet my wife, have a baby. We have a, a home here in Boston, New York, and everything's worked out perfectly. It's fantastic. So Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Buffalo News, Bleacher Report, now to your own, uh, on your own venture. Was this the plan when you were at Bleacher Report? Were, were the wheels kind of in motion and thinking, you know, I, I think it's time for me to start this? Or how did this come along? Actually, no. You know, I, I really did love my time at Bleacher Report. I have so much to be thankful for, you know, grateful, worked with some amazing people, many of which aren't there, unfortunately, anymore. I mean, they just went a different direction as a business. The writers, editors just aren't there. I mean, they, you know, I, they're not alone. I mean, we saw it with, you know, other companies um, across the sports media landscape just kind of moving away from words. So uh, that happened, which, you know, your head's always on a swivel in this business. So, uh, you know, you, you react, you weigh your options. Um, I had a little time, you know, to kill. I, I wasn't able to do anything like right away anyways. And it just, like, it just kind of felt like the right time because, you know, with the relationships that I have around the league with players, agencies, teams, with a lot of the ideas I had, um, it doesn't feel too daunting. You know, I don't feel like I'm covering the league day to day. I feel like I'm covering the league through a very enterprising lens, just trying to tell a story that people aren't going to get anywhere else. And when that kind of drives you, it's going to take you places you didn't really know exist. So that's a big part of it. Another part of it, I mean, my dad ran his own business too. I mean, he was a petroleum geologist, ran Plateau Energy. And um, so he, he was, you know, putting the dot on the map on where to drill wells. And he never missed a game, never missed a practice school event with my mom. 
Um, our family is as close as a family could, could be. So that meant a lot to me. And seeing him just kind of risk everything for us and bet on himself and his business meant a lot to me. And I think that's kind of always been in me. My, my sister has um, her own gym down in Great Valley as well. So that was probably always kind of running through my my, my veins as well. It, it, you know, you add it all up, it just felt like the right time. And, and Substack is a great place to be. I, I, it's so user-friendly, so easy to use. We're sending stories right to your email inbox. There's there's no app. There's no website. You basically put your email in. Yeah, we have a, we we do have a website, but primarily it's about going where you are and sending the features to you. So, um, like I said, people can just sign sign right up for free right now if they want. Awesome. I very much suggest that you go over and do that. We have a bunch of people here watching the live show. We are appreciative. If you're if you're new here, this is the Shout Bills Football Podcast. We're joined by NFL Features writer Tyler Dunn. And we're going to talk some NFL. We're going to talk some Bills football, some NFL football, because you know we're, we're getting in the thick of this thing here. I mean, a couple weeks left. Playoffs are obviously, it, it's a weird time. You grew up here. I mean, for, for many of these years over the last 20 Playoffs were not part of the conversation at this time of the year, but I want to talk about Josh Allen a little bit. Uh, you, you, your big debut story was about, you know, Josh and, you know, the Patrick Mahomes saga and Terry Pagula. I don't want to, you know, give too much away. Definitely go read it if you haven't, if you haven't read it yet, but I, I got to thinking it, it's something that, you know, I I've been very high on Josh Allen going back to when I first got here, just things that I've seen. He was a very raw player. I thought that there was, there was room to grow. And, and you're somebody that I've always kind of looked at to kind of keep myself grounded a little bit because, you know, this is my first NFL job and the first real quarterback I've had to evaluate. And I tell myself all the time, you got to sit there and watch, you know, a couple of really great ones. I mean, Aaron Rodgers in the last couple of years, I mean, he's kind of set the standard in a lot of ways for quarterback play. And so when you, when you're able to watch that kind of bar and you see all these like younger quarterbacks that come into the league and you know, maybe have some success or struggle early on, I think that you're a great person to bounce these ideas off of. So, you know, go into a little bit of, of the things that you uncovered in this big feature story of Josh Allen and, and kind of where you're at right now with it. No doubt. I mean, there's, a ton to love, right? I mean, he, he first of all, he's just fun to watch. I mean, he's it, it's it's a fun experience for three hours as a fan, and it's a fun experience for teammates. And talking to those teammates, they genuinely want to play harder for Josh Allen. And you know, I, I did a, a big Jay Cutler story once, like an oral history, and I can promise you, former teammates did not talk about Jay Cutler the way they talk about Josh Allen. It means something when Mitch Moore says, "This is who you want to bring to a bar fight," like. I want Josh Allen on my side. You know, you hear Devin Singletary, everybody call him a dog, and Zach Moss used warrior mentality. You remember that picking up the fumble against Dallas. I mean, that was just a play, a moment that seemed to put the Bills back on the map as a serious contender. So I think all these intangibles, they, they do mean something. And beyond the intangible, like, he's obviously more accurate. Um, Brian Dayball is obviously the perfect offensive coordinator for him. They're, they're drawing up. Incredible plays, you know, whether it's sending them on a sweep, sending them out on a route, uh, scheming Stephon Diggs and one-on-ones. I think there's just so much to love. It's just that perspective comes into play with, you know, a conversation with a Kurt Warner, like we wrote, where you know, he watches all of the quarterbacks, and you know, way more than I'll ever watch, every Sunday, and he just doesn't see that that mental processing quite there yet. You know, where there's that split second of buffering right when he's got to make a decision right when a team's trying to confuse him. And he's just kind of certain that look, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, all these, there's this young wave of quarterbacks. Like they've, they've got this amazing physical trait. That's not going to win you three, four games in a row to win a Super Bowl. Now maybe that's okay. Right. Maybe they win the division and he's a hero, build him a statue. And I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but if the goal is to be in the conversation, you're in the conversation with Josh Allen. You're beyond the in the hunt graphic. You're there. If the goal is to win a Super Bowl, which they could do, they have the talent to win a Super Bowl. He's got to make that jump. And I, I, I the way Kurt Warner put it, 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 light bulb just went off. I never looked at ceiling that way. When I think of ceiling, I think, oh my God, Lamar Jackson can probably run a four two. Like his ceiling's unbelievable. Josh Allen can throw the ball through a brick wall. His ceilings, he, he really kind of breaks it down mentally. And we have to use the Patrick Mahomes bar. I know fans don't like to do that. You got to use it. I mean, it's you can absolutely use that as the bar when the owner of the team loved this guy, 
when nobody else seemed to love this guy, coveted him, was in the film room, breaking it down, begging Doug Whaley, Jim Monas, Sean McDermott, like, let's watch him, let's get to know him. I mean, they go down there to Lubbock. It's incredible. You know, they, an amazing dinner, commanded the room. Like Jim, as Jim Monas said, he just wanted to hang out with him all night, goes out to the workout, 20 mile per hour wins, kills it. You know, it just has a swagger about him, everything you see today. And it gets down to it, and they maybe they do the prudent thing at the time. They trade down, try to get him at 27 if he slips, doesn't slip, have the two first. Sean McDermott wants to win now. doesn't want to try to sell a 10th overall pick quarterback to the team. Sorry, I'm probably going places you want to go to later, but we can go all day. No, it's all good. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm, I mean, it's, it's not Josh Allen's fault, obviously. I mean, he didn't choose who his owner loved the year before, but – I, it's going to be hard for for me, I guess, to get to get past that when Patrick Mahomes is Michael Jordan, you know, on a football field. So you're saying the benchmark then for Josh Allen would have to be to be Patrick Mahomes or or to bring a championship to Buffalo. I think this team is good enough to win a championship, and yeah, I think so. I think that is the benchmark. And would I be saying that if? The owner of the team didn't covet him, love him, and have a chance to draft me. Maybe not, but I'm a big counterfactual guy and lo love playing that game. Some people don't like to play that game. I think he can here because it was so real, you know? I mean, you could, you know, I, I sat down with Jim Monas for this story. And I mean, for about, this was, you know, pre, you know, COVID wasn't that bad. So it was safe. I promise everybody. Got together at Resurgence downtown and, had a few beers. I mean, you can nice. like see it in his face. Like we were this close, like Patrick Mahomes should be a bill and Terry wanted him. And we didn't bang the table on, you know, we didn't bang the table for Patrick. If we did, maybe we're still employed, which is kind of wild to me too. Like the line between being like unemployed <laughs> and a Super Bowl champion is, is not as great. You know, it's not as crazy as, as you'd think. I mean, do you get the sense with those two that it eats at him a little bit? Or maybe a lot. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. I think they, as they said, and I, and I hope people read the whole story in that they they were really honest with it all. They didn't sit there and say, oh, my God, we wanted him, and Sean wanted the win now. <laughs> F that guy. What the, it wasn't any of that at all. Like, mm -hmm. even though Jim Otis got Sean McDermott the interview and then Jim Otis gets fired. It's like they were all gone the next day. They they could have every reason to be like that, but they weren't. They said, "Look, we didn't we didn't like the fact that he was five and seven his last year. Didn't like the fact that you know Big Twelve defenses can overinflate things. The air raid at that point they didn't really know how that projected to the NFL. Um, you know, even I I don't know about this with the Bills. I heard some teams were even worried about his work ethic. You know, and hmm. I've talked to teammates at Texas Tech. They used to call Patrick Mahomes chubby, fat." Like, go eat another cheeseburger. Like, <laughs> it's he's not, like, physically imposing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he added it all up. And, like, they, they, they're the first to say, like, we should have saw what Terry Pagula saw. And we didn't see it. But the day of, they both told Terry, look, you own the team. You do what you want. And he wasn't going to overstep Sean McDermott, who I, by that point was empowered with the roster and empowered with, you know, instilling the process and all of that. And look, and as, as, as you find out later in the story in part two, like, I, I get it. I mean, it was bad under Rex, way worse than anybody could have imagined. Really, really bad. So you have to trust the pendulum swing back to, you know, from Rex to Sean. You couldn't get a more different personality. You, you got to trust him and let him do what he wants to do. It, it might have set a bad precedent if the owner of a team is just going to overrule the coach he just empowered. Mm -hmm. One thing from your story that kind of stood out to me was, I think it was something that Kurt said, where he brought up Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson as those, as good as they've been. And and really, you, you, you listen to the podcast, you listen to the experts, whoever, whoever you feel like that is, those two guys are regarded as like royalty in, in quarterback royalty, you know, uh, and to his point, they, they both only have one Super Bowl. And so is... To dig into a this a little bit deeper, is that is that the, you know, what you're going to be judged on if you can get the one championship? Because I I think to to use basketball as an example, 
you have LeBron James who goes off to Miami. He wins two titles and starts to really put his stamp on just being in the conversation with Michael at that point. And then he comes back to Cleveland. And I feel like that one championship yeah. changed everything. And I think that Josh Allen is kind of, he benefits from the fact of where he is in that if he did deliver a championship to Buffalo, that one championship to me would sit on the pantheon of all time. Totally agree. Oh man. If he wins a Super Bowl, like everything we're talking about, no, you know, nobody's going to, Care, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you win a Super Bowl for the Buffalo Bills after everything this fan base has been through. I mean, the four straight Super Bowl losses, the, the the Music City miracle, the drought. I mean, pick whatever you want to pick. Like the, he'll be the mayor. I mean, Byron Brown's <laughs> got to step down. I mean, he Josh Allen can do whatever he wants. It's you think uh, Terrell Owens will give him his key to the city? <laughs> no, he he ain't giving that up. No, <laughs> but so, you're, no, that's a great point though. I totally agree. Like if he wins it, like if w- one ring, it's it is kind of like LeBron in Cleveland. You know, it's just different in a, in a city like Buffalo. So one thing I've seen, though, about going back to Mahomes here is some people have said, would Mahomes be Mahomes in Buffalo? However, look at that coaching uh, staff that Sean McDermott originally brought in, the offensive coordinator. Um, would he be the guy that we see now? Oh, man, I love this conversation, too, because – not a, no, not that rookie season because it was mm. bad. You know, it's and I had heard from like players then a text here, a text there, like just like beside themselves on how awful that offense was under Dennison and just boring, blah, antiquated, no misdirection, just nothing that was complex at all. And then you got David Cauley, who had never coached quarterbacks before coaching Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they didn't want to change their offense. They would not have changed their offense for Patrick Mahomes, point blank. It would at all. Now, they did have Tyrod Taylor installed as the starter. So, you know, they wouldn't have had to play Mahomes right away. It would have been Tyrod throwing to Kelvin Benjamin still and Zay Jones and Deontay Thompson and what was left of Charles Clay at that point. Um, so, it, you know, it would have been bad if he was out there, but I, I still think there's like this alternate universe. I don't even remember who tweeted at me. I can't take credit for it. I just – it. It was unbelievable. I hadn't thought of this. I mean, imagine this alternate universe where they're five and four. They get, you know, Tyrod gets smacked by the Saints at home, and Sean McDermott makes the decision to bench Tyrod Taylor for Patrick Mahomes. They go out, they play the Chargers. Instead of five picks, it's five touchdowns. They still go into the next offseason with all that money to spend. They buy all those weapons because they were going to get those weapons. Right, they, they they cleared the cap to, to be able to get John Brown, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs. Eventually, I think they still would have done that kind of stuff. And eventually, you know, he's Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes eventually figures it all out. Hmm. It's funny. I hate to be. I mean, I you know, the Bills are eight and three. I don't want to just you know be raining on the parade here. No, but, but I think it's, that it's, it's, it's just so big. I but I think that it's it's important because like, you know, you, 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 you think back in, in history and uh, I can't, I think it was a Sam Bowen who was the pick before Michael Jordan, one of the picks before Michael Sam Jordan. Bowie, I mean, yeah. Sam Bowie. Yes. And you know, th- those kinds of things, I mean, they they live in trivia books for, for all eternity. And this is, you know, this is a move. Now, of course, nine other teams sat before the bills at 10 that could have t- taken them. I think maybe the Chicago bears are probably feeling it a little bit worse. Nah, they're set. Come on. They're set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. What He's am just, I talking about? Mitchell, Mitch Trubisky is like such a nice guy. Like it's, I just, you just root for him, but yeah, you're right. That's a good point. <laughs> it, you've you've done a lot of stuff. I mean, going back through the last couple of years uh, on Mahomes, and you 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 have a story up on on him at the the new website right now. I'm I'm wondering what has he said or people around him said in Kansas City about where he ended up, the people that he's around in terms of making him helping make him who he is today. I mean, obviously Andy Reid is where you start, but other guys as well. It's the perfect situation. Every, I mean, even Nick Shimanek, um, for the story you referenced that Go Long, said that too. I mean, he was Patrick Mahomes' backup for three years and then started the one year after he left early. He, he says, like, look, this is a perfect situation for him. The way Travis Kelsey kind of sees the field is the way Patrick Mahomes sees the field, almost like it's a basketball game, you know, and that extended play and just kind of finding the nooks and crannies in a defense. They're on the same page. Um, you know, initially he, he didn't just have Andy Reid, he had Matt Nagy, he had a, a really good staff there, it seemed. 
that brought him along. He was able to sit a whole year behind Alex Smith. Oh, by the way, Alex Smith is going to treat that situation a little differently than Tyrod Taylor. And that's not a knock on Tyrod Taylor. If anything, it says a lot about the guy. I mean, he's just going to fight like hell for his spot. I mean, look mm-hmm. at Tyrod's career and all the bad luck he's had. I mean, when I talk to folks who know him best, it's like, you know, he maybe he would have, you know, he would have led by example for a Patrick Mahomes and he would have saw how, how Tyrod works. And that, that definitely would have helped um, because Mahomes up until the year prior didn't really work as hard as he should have. But Tyrod isn't going to be holding his hand and mentoring mm-hmm. him in the careful, calculated, methodical way and Alex Smith did. It's just, I mean, just different points of their careers, you know? I mean, totally different points of their careers. So he wouldn't have had that, It's or he does have that in Kansas City. Um, yeah, it, it's just a perfect situation all the way around. And, and the cherry on top, the the number one reason it wor- has worked out so beautifully is Andy Reid and how his mind works schematically. It's on a different level. And I, t- I tell you what, and it's just peripheral, but – Doing these stories, especially with being with Sammy Watkins there for that profile at BR, everything seems to come back to Andy Reid just being this unbelievable person, unbelievable coach. People can't say enough about him. I mean, he's calling and texting Sammy all the time, just checking in on him, almost like a dad kind of figure for him. And then he can draw up offenses at a level other coaches just can't. I mean, similar to like Belichick and all his assistants going to other teams and, and not doing anything, I do worry. Are we going to see that like with an Andy Reid offensively? I, the Bears with Matt Nagy, we all thought he was a genius and hasn't really worked out there. So at the end of the day, maybe Belichick is just a genius. Andy Reid's a genius. Well, speaking of Andy Reid and, and that genius and, and Patrick Mahomes, can any team in the AFC beat Kansas City this year in the playoffs? Boy, that was a barn burner today with those Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I want to say Pittsburgh. God, I do. I love their defense, the physicality, it's just different. I mean, we're all about the same age. I mean, we all remember like just Greg Lloyd and LeVon Kirkland and Kevin Green and like era to era to era. It's just a different level of physicality. And it's because they hit in training camp, they approach practice different than every every other team. And this defense they have now seems like one of the best defenses they, they've had. They, there aren't any weak spots. They, they rush the passer. They create turnovers. They fly to the ball. That, that gives you a puncher's chance against Patrick Mahomes. And, yeah, I mean, I think they absolutely have a chance. But uh, this is the Patrick Mahomes hour. I'm, I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. He just, just finds a way. I mean, that's Super Bowl. Look, he played terrible for three quarters. The Chiefs played terrible for three quarters. Everything's going wrong, and – turns it on when he has to it's it, it's like magic and I, I until we see somebody take him down I, it's 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 his world that we're, we're just living in it one more question before i let you get out of here um you know it's funny you bring up the steelers and you go from bill cower to mike tomlin and just decades and decades of just competency at the head coach position something that the bills before sean mcdermott really hadn't had since Marv Levy. And so that means that, that people around here don't really know much about that. I mean, going through those, right. those, you know, years of success, but now with Sean McDermott here, I mean, you go back to 17 and that off season where Sean McVay gets hired, uh, Kyle Shanahan gets hired and Sean gets hired here. I mean, three coaches that have had loads of success since obviously Kyle and, and Sean a little bit more, where do you kind of place Sean in that hierarchy of, of even just the last five years going back to 16 of coaches that have gone on. And I mean, there's really, I mean, I think there's already since he was hired five coaches that have been fired, including Matt Patricia yeah. last week. So wild. This is definitely an ownership, you know, that, that wants that continuity. I mean, that, that was the word we heard so much when, you know, Rex and Whaley kind of in Russ and all those extensions. I don't remember how it went down, but that was kind of the drumbeat. We want continuity. We, we don't want to be hiring and firing. And and we know they've done a lot of that. So they they, they want this to work with Sean McDermott. And mm-hmm. to, to your point on things, just kind of on rebuilding, a, oh, I hate to use the word culture, but he has. Like mm-hmm. there is something to that, you know, process and culture because it was so bad before. I mean, it, it was bad under Rex. Like this is, he wasn't just eating dog biscuits and jumping out of, you know, airplanes he, he per sources you know the team flights you know there's there were flight attendants who felt uncomfortable on those flights there was a lot of booze on those flights the local golf course 
Coaches going there wreaking havoc. Oh, we got the Seahawks Monday night this week. Everybody get on the party bus. Let's go. Let's go to the World Series and bring all the coaches down there. Like it's one thing after another. Like they had to get rid of that. They had to fumigate the building. Like it was bad. And for Sean McDermott to clean that up says a ton. Like he is worth keeping around. And I get the extension because of all that. <clears throat> Where, but what, what, what concerns you is you know that 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 that's great and maybe that continuity is is it matters long term but look at how he's kind of dealt with the most important position in sports like you, you start with the Mahomes thing and you know hopefully we'll get him in an honest moment to really give his side of the story with all that but he he's touched on it and I Whaley and Motors were pretty honest in saying he wanted to win now but you miss Patrick Mahomes when the owner wants him you start Nathan Peterman you start Nathan Peterman again he needs Josh Allen to be the answer and he might be the answer but to kind of handle the position the way he has, and Brian Dable's a, a friggin' genius. I think he's one of the best coordinators in the game. You're probably going to lose him. He's going to be head coach somewhere. So what do you do offensively then? Uh, there, there are some moving parts here. I think they kind of give you a little, a little worry, a little pause, because if the goal is the Super Bowl, you, you, offensively, you, you got to put together three, four wins in a row, and I. You know, I'm not sure if they're there yet. Will they be there with Sean McDermott? Maybe. Um, so, yeah, I think he's I, – I, I don't know how to rank him, but I, I think it's good. I think it's been really good, and it's it, it's worth it with how bad things were before. All right, before we let you get out of here, there's a f- either a current or a future uh, golongtouchtd.com subscriber that has a question for you. Ryan, why don't you read that one out that, that you uh, – yeah, I got to scroll back through here a little bit. It said, uh, were you folks always people persons? Wondering if any of you were the shy type before becoming journalists and how long did it take you to kind of break out of your shells? Ooh, that's deep. That's a deep question. I, you know, I guess, and you, maybe you guys agree, but uh, I think just playing like high school sports helps with all that. You know, the pressure of those moments of, you know, needing to make a play under the lights. I know it sounds corny, cliche, but just with me in my life, I know that's always helped kind of break out of a shell and and gain a little confidence. And not saying I'm an expert by any means, but uh, I don't know. What about you guys? I, I I'd have to disagree with you there, my friend. And when it comes to being a people person, I mean, I, I saw you you maneuvering out in <laughs> uh, Indianapolis last year, right before COVID ruined all of our lives. I mean, you're you're a very good people person. I think, and that I think that that's a key when young journalists come and reach out to me and, and like ask me questions and you know how do how do I do this? How do I do that? I, I tell them the first thing that I go back to is you know I took communication at, at <coughs> my major at UB taught me how to like talk to people. It taught, it taught me how to, you know, it, there's part of that that's just you, but I think also you have to build relationships and that relationship building part of it, you can almost kind of, to your point, correlate it to sports. And and w- what I think to your point earlier, what Sean McDermott has done a good job of. These guys, to the point where Tyler, I think it's so funny. I was talking to Joe B the other day about this. His, the tenor of his voice the vocabulary comes out through his players. Like mm-hmm. you talking to Jordan Poyer and, and, and I'm like, you know, I, that could be Sean McDermott talking to us right now. Like <laughs> it just, it's just, he, they all embody that because they bought into what he is. So I think it's about being a people person. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I, I can't relate to Tyler's sports analogy because if, if Pete Weishin needed a garbage time, intentional foul or, or, <laughs> or a garbage time layup, I was off the bench and I was ready. But those Come those on, four, get them in the game. Those four minutes a game, I was dynamite. Usually, like four fouls, two points, and a rebound. Uh, so I can't really relate there. I didn't have much athleticism, but you know my cousin Damon. Damon was always oh, the yeah. life of the party. Uh, so being around Damon, you got to know a lot of people. You 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 had to talk. You had to talk to get a word in. Uh, but he he definitely helped bring me out of my shell quite a bit growing up. Tyler Dunn. GoLongTD.com. Get on it. All of your stories, your features go right to the inbox. It's a, it's an awesome deal. 70 bucks for a year. Man, what more can you ask for? Yeah. My friend. A couple, couple Thank- coffees a, a month, right? That's what we should okay. say. <laughs> there you go. Well, go enjoy uh, your family or whatever you got going on on this Wednesday night. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. You got it. Ella is right down the, the hallway here, and I have not heard her cry, so I don't think we woke her up. It's a, it's a successful show. So Hey, you want a little dad moment here? Let's right before it. the show, I, we were started at 730. 
my wife texted me it was 7 18 and she's like my daughter kennedy is not going to sleep so i went up there i had 10 minutes to get her to sleep she fell asleep she left right before i walked out the door but i got her to sleep i pat myself on the back go to work put in it put in it did on you give bed. a little little touchdown dance a little shimmy i, I did a little t- i did a little conor mcgregor down uh, like, <laughs> on the way back to the office i like it i like it yeah i'm i'm failing compared to you guys my son just walked downstairs in his underwear like five minutes ago and i'm like <laughs> I was waving her to go back upstairs. So, Bring him you in. know, yeah. Oh, man. Awesome. awesome. This was fun, guys. Right, Thanks so much. Take care, man. All right. You got it. All right. That was awesome. Great yeah. uh, time spent with Tyler Dunn, Dan LeBay from uh, Cleveland.com. We will be, be back either on Friday or Saturday, Ryan. We got to break down a big Monday night football game. We're going to dive into the San Francisco 49ers team. Not a lot coming out of one Bill's drive today on, on, on the press calls. I was hoping to hear from Stefan Diggs uh, on Richard Sherman a little bit, maybe Josh Allen, but they just didn't didn't come up. So we'll see what comes out uh, from them, uh, from the players on this matchup, and we will get into it either Friday or Saturday. I didn't, we didn't really talk about this yet. I don't know. Maybe Saturday because – it's a Monday night game, so maybe Saturday instead of Friday. We'll see. Um, find us on all of your – we got an email submission, another person joining the Zoom contest. If you haven't heard about the Zoom contest yet, every Bills game day, the rest of the regular season, we are going to have a five Bills fan Zoom. It's personal with me and Ryan Talbot for one hour. We talk anything you want to talk, Buffalo Bills football. Uh, all you have to do to enter is find us, the Shout Bills football podcast, on any of the audio platforms, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. Subscribe, take a screenshot, email it to me at mperino at nyup.com, and you're in. We'll get you we'll get you figured out. Um, yeah. Final thought, Ryan. No, final thought, just uh, piggybacking off of that. It was really awesome. Uh, subscribe so you can be a part of that show. We did a really early one last Sunday, 9.45 our time, and, and we ended up having four people out on the West Coast, uh, L.A., Las Vegas, some people in Utah, and they got up nice and early just to chat with us, but it Great conversation. Great getting to know the fans on a personal level. Uh, So we look forward to that. Uh, Thanks again for all your continued support. And as they say in the the chat here, smash that like button. There you go. See, that's that's great. Great content from Ryan Talbot, as usual. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Keep it locked on to Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com for all your Bills coverage. And we will see you in a couple days as we break down 49ers versus Bills. Have a good one. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in-store, or online to win.